lecture nine part one of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture nine on humility as the receptive foundation of the divine gifts and virtues part one god resisteth the proud but to the humble he giveth grace one peter chapter five verse five it is impossible to imagine holiness in any of god's creatures without humility and purity for as chastity is the body's purity humility is the soul's purity and purity is the first condition of sanctity humility prepares the way for holiness and holiness deepens the grace of humility so that the higher the holiness the deeper must be the degree of humility but humility like purity is an extremely delicate virtue it is the soul's purity the spirit's modesty the will's continency as it refrains the soul from self-elation from pride and from vanity which defile the spirit with inflation falsehood and injustice as acids dissolve the lustre of the pearl as the rude hand brushes the bloom from the flower the breath of its revelation melts away the graces of humility like the virtue of modesty and because it is the spirit's modesty humility is a silent virtue that only reveals its presence unconsciously with a delicate perception of this truth st francis of sales thus writes of it to his friend the bishop of Belley: there are two virtues that whilst we never cease to exercise them should be kept under perpetual silence if we speak of them it should be on some very rare occasion so that it may pass for unbroken silence these two virtues are humility and chastity the reason of this is that it is difficult to touch them without leaving some tarnish on them no tongue can express their value and to speak less of them than their value is to lower their excellence even if we praise humility in itself we awaken the desire of it in self-love and thus draw the man to seek it by the wrong door for the more a man finds the reputation of humility the more he will be tempted to think himself humble and the more he thinks himself humble the less humble he will be as the miser shrinks with a sense of danger from the least allusion to his wealth as the modest virgin blushes with conscious apprehension at the slightest reference to her purity the humble soul is pained at the smallest commendation of her humility equally fine is the instinct of both these virtues to breathe on them is to offend them to speak of them is to hint a peril a word in their praise sounds as a reproof and is felt like a wound when they are strong this arises from no queasy scrupulosity or false delicacy but is owing to the fact that they are not the becoming subjects for self-reflection 
or of direct self-consciousness on the part of their possessors and any direct allusion to them is an appeal to that self-consciousness which invades their integrity the more humble and pure a soul is the more she looks away from herself into the perfect type of holiness in whose light she sees nothing in herself but the gifts of god and her own defects she knows frail creature that she is that her treasure is from god and is only safe when hidden from mortal eyes for however true however beautiful however sublime may be the praises of this virtue self-love is all the more inclined to take that to herself which belongs only to the virtue st bernard felt this when one day sounding the commendations of humility he felt certain movements begin to rise in him that caused him to fly from the pulpit in dismay although our blessed lord was the perfect form of humility and the fountain of its grace yet as we have seen he only referred to his own humility once and that for the instruction of all ages are we then to abstain from the praises of humility in due season and to souls well disposed to the virtue most certainly not we must rather draw the distinction between the virtue in itself and in those who are safe with god and the same virtue as it may exist in souls still exercised in this world of trial and temptation for no virtue has received greater or more frequent commendations in the holy scriptures and from the fathers and saints of the church unless it be the virtue of charity as it is the rarest of virtues in its perfection as nevertheless its perfection is essential to the perfection of the other virtues as it is also the most hidden as all the roots of life and growth are hidden as it is also a virtue that costs much labor and sacrifice to our nature and therefore requires encouragement both the interest of god's cause and the interest of the cause of souls requires that it be enlarged upon there is the more necessity for this because of the many spurious imitations by which deluded pride caricatures this virtue and because it is so little exercised by the world at large that of all virtues it is the least known and the least understood but as it dwells in living souls silence belongs to its essential modesty to the living man therefore these words of saint maximus are especially applicable the scripture says praise not a man during his life praise him after death magnify him after all is finished for two reasons ought he to be rather exalted in remembrance than in life that his sanctity may be honoured when flattery can no longer move the speaker and when elation can no more tempt the man who receives the praise st francis therefore concludes yet must we not be scrupulous about praising these virtues when occasion demands it of us never can they be sufficiently praised esteemed or cultivated yet what does this signify 
all the leaves of praise you can heap together are not worth a handful of the fruit that grows of practice why does god love to see his rational creatures humble why does he endow the humble and only the humble with his gifts and graces why does he save the humble alone the answer to this is hard to flesh and blood and still harder to pride for humility is not the highest or most dignified of virtues its place is very low st paul sums up the highest virtues in faith hope and charity which have god for their direct and immediate object and the greatest of these is charity but humility more directly concerns ourselves its first office is to disbelieve mistrust and renounce self-love justice again and especially justice to god is a very high and noble virtue with its perfect type in god and it dwells in all the virtues to conform them to the perfect law of justice but humility is the virtue that measures our failures from justice and our distance from the eternal justice and that labors to make and to keep us truthful and honest within ourselves and before god religion also is an elevated and an elevating virtue whereby we worship god and give him honour and adoration whilst humility is much expended in keeping us from the insane folly of honouring and worshipping ourselves religion therefore is far more glorifying to god we need scarcely bring in st thomas to show that humility is inferior to many of the virtues as it respects their elevation and dignity yet the sacred scriptures overflow with the doctrine that what god seeks in man what he loves in man what he rewards in man is humility and the fathers and saints proclaim with the united chorus of their minds and hearts that humility is the root and foundation of all the virtues that are born of grace it is the condition on which they are received and the attraction that brings to the soul those nobler gifts of god the measure of their reception and the nurse of their prosperity no soul that follows interior ways is ignorant of the fact that humility is the indispensable foundation of christian virtue but only a limited number trouble themselves to understand how and why it is the indispensable foundation which no other virtue can supply yet to understand this well gives great light to the interior man and to many things the comparing of our spiritual operations to the construction of a building is so frequent in the scriptures and so familiar to our minds that it has become natural to our spiritual language we speak of edifying of laying the spiritual foundation and of building up the soul scarcely noticing the fact that we are using material images from the builder's art to express spiritual operations but though there is a resemblance between material and spiritual building there is a great difference between them 
for example we speak with saint paul of building on christ as our foundation and in so far as we rest on him are sustained by him and draw our strength and support from him this image is correct but in so far as a foundation is beneath and exterior to the building it is incorrect for christ is above us and we rest on him by subjection and dependence as the fly on the ceiling yet though this image relieves us from the literalness of the former one it cannot itself be taken literally because the action of christ is first external awakening us and then internal abiding within us christ jesus is our true foundation when the centre of the soul rests on him this may serve to explain how by spiritual insight we rectify the figurative language that we use to give more vivid expression to our spiritual acts the spiritual founding of the soul like the material founding of a building requires three acts we have to remove the unsound foundation to come at the true foundation and to lay upon that the positive foundation or the foundation stones the first preparation for building the spiritual temple in which god may dwell is to remove what is unsound and insecure this is the self-love and pride on which the soul has hitherto rested the removal of this weak and unsafe foundation brings us to the rock or solid ground which is christ and the positive foundation upon which the structure must rise is the faith of christ humility therefore is neither the solid rock for that is christ nor the foundation built upon it which is faith but it is the clearing and preparing of the ground in ourselves we shall recollect this the better if we remember that the word humility from the latin humilitas comes from humus the soft moist earth and unitas which implies connection with the earth humility is the vacancy made in the soul by the removal of our unsound and unsupporting self-love and of the unsubstantial inflation of pride by thus evacuating ourselves as a most untrue foundation we come to the rock which is christ upon whom the whole spiritual building rests with firmness and security for other foundations as st paul no man can lay but that which is laid which is christ jesus one corinthians chapter three verse eleven thus we see that humility is not the positive but the negative foundation the emptying ourselves that christ may dwell in us and the resting on him through subjection to him but christ dwells in us by faith hope and charity these therefore are the true foundation stones whereby the whole building rests on christ the first is faith of which st paul says without faith it is impossible to please god for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and is a rewarder to them that seek him hebrews chapter eleven verse six next to faith 
st paul places hope which rests on faith continue he says in the faith grounded and settled immovable from the hope of the gospel which you have heard colossians chapter one verse twenty three but of the most precious of the three foundation stones the apostle says being rooted and founded in charity you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know also the charity of christ which surpasseth all knowledge that you may be filled unto all the fullness of god ephesians chapter three verses seventeen through nineteen not to adhere too closely to the architectural images of divine things humility prepares the way for receiving the christian virtues as st john the baptist prepared the way for christ his office was to cast down pride and to purify with water his cry was let the hills be brought down the valleys be filled up and the crooked ways made straight everything about him breathes humility and the mortification and self-renunciation that produce humility he is nothing of himself he is but the voice of another whose shoes he declares that he is unworthy to untie having done his work he disappears in the sacrifice of martyrdom and christ comes into his place st paul calls the true christian god's building and god's husbandry he lays in us the foundation of faith that we may know him of hope that we may desire him and of charity that we may love him serve him and rejoice in him but this can only be done in a soul that is duly disposed for god cannot build a divine edifice on an earthly foundation not upon self-love not upon self-elation not upon self-seeking not upon hollow delusive revolting pride not upon animal concupiscence a building upon such quicksands would soon be swallowed up all this creation of our own if anything so vain ought to be called a creation must be swept away and why that god may find his own creation and not a mere falsified creature made into a lie by vanity and pride but his own creature as he made it pure and simple and duly subject to him that he may work what is good and holy on his own foundation we are not created with virtue but with nature we are not created with grace that must be given to our nature but as we are born in pride and sin and have suffered and even encouraged these evils to grow in us they must be removed by the labors of humility what we have by nature is a large capacity for light and grace and for the good they bring to us but this capacity has been grievously contracted and defiled by the pride of sin and humility must open it and contrition must cleanse it but if we draw our affections in upon ourselves we narrow them down to things less than ourselves we still more contract our capacity for divine things 
and close up ourselves against them the soul thus closed in and preoccupied cannot receive them thus pre-engaged cannot work with them sin is no foundation for the divine virtues to rest upon the pride that repels god is no receptacle for the charity of god when the force of affliction came and allayed the inflammation of evil david returned from his sin to god and humbled to the dust at the sight of his contrition he thus mournfully speaks of what he discovered in himself as the dream of them that awake o lord so in the city thou shalt bring their image to nothing for my heart hath been inflamed and my reins have been changed and i am brought to nothing and i knew it not i am become as a beast of burden before thee and i am always with thee the psalmist saw his nothingness when his sin had parted him from god but when he had entered into himself and humbled himself in the truth he was able to say thou hast held me by my right hand and by thy will thou hast conducted me and with thy glory thou hast received me for what have i in heaven and besides thee what have i on earth for thee my flesh and my heart have fainted away thou art the god of my heart and the god that is my portion for ever for behold they that go far from thee shall perish thou hast destroyed all them that are disloyal to thee but it is good for me to adhere to my god to put my hope in the lord god psalm seventy two verses twenty through twenty eight the humility of the prophet abandons his self-reliance as an empty and worthless thing and subjects his soul to god as the one and only source of his good how is this accomplished the almighty tells us through the same prophet empty yourself and see that i am god psalm forty five verse eleven in proportion as the soul vacates herself by humility god fills that soul with light and charity for god is all around us with his light and charity and only requires a humble and an open soul subject to him that he may enter with his gifts when the inhabitants of jerusalem were full of pride and luxury so that god could do nothing for their souls he sent them in captivity to babylon but in their humiliation and sorrow by the waters of babylon their souls were humbled and their hearts were opened then they recalled the prayer of edom over their beloved city empty her empty her even to the foundations thereof psalm 136 verse 7 jerusalem was emptied and with what result the souls of her exiled people were emptied of their vanities and they returned in humility to god when our lord said blessed are the poor in spirit he spoke of those who are conscious of the native poverty of their souls and of their utter indigence without the help of god this is that vacuity of self which the fathers call the place of god in the soul and the place of the virtues and the treasure-house of the virtues they also called this open receptive virtue of humility 
the hive in which the heavenly sweetness is deposited the vase that receives the divine unction the mouth enlarged with spiritual hunger the garment that enfolds the grace of christ and the secret operations of his spirit and saint paul calls the humble spirit the habitation of god in which his spirit dwells or we may call it the thirsty ground craving for the gifts of heaven st bridget has another figure and compares the humble soul to the rapid wheel that moves beneath the almighty seated in his chariot upon the cherubim and moving over the world whilst the hollow centre of the wheel rests on the axle of divine power as the principle of its progress in short humility is the animated capacity of the soul vacated of self-seeking and looking to god with desire to be filled with his light grace and goodness but this vacating of self leaves no void it receives a fullness for to use the words of william of paris grace will never allow the soul that vacates her own nature to be left void of its own presence the divine gift flows into what nature vacates with a powerful inundation and fills the void of the soul as fast as it is made end of lecture nine part one